You get COVID. You get COVID. You get COVID. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Beckenholt, Communications Director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week, Ivy speaks with Murphy Burke, the Iowa Press Secretary for NextGen Iowa, about the importance of voting. But we start with what made headlines this past week. Um, the first headline is Trump's President Trump's visit to Des Moines and the super spreader event. I should say potential super spreader event um, that uh, that he held at the Des Moines airport. Um, it was on this. It was this Wednesday. We're recording on Friday, um, October sixteenth. It was just a couple days ago, so we won't know the full impact for a little while because um, these things take time. But the pictures of this event I mean several thousand people, many, probably the majority not wearing masks. Um, it's hard to say exactly from the images, but definitely a large number of people not wearing masks the seats definitely packed in like sardines not even attempting to get a few feet apart let alone six feet um ivy did you watch any of this did you see what was your reaction to some of these images i just can't i mean i just can't believe that people are holding events like this let alone the president who was just infected with covid like has he not learned his dang lesson i mean it's really unbelievable I mean, you see like the crowd and a lot of people aren't wearing masks. It just like, it gives me like, I panic when I see that because mm -hmm. it's not just these people who are taking the risk. It's everyone in the community who is going to possibly be exposed. I mean, obviously I hope that no one got exposed there, but I think we have to be realistic and say that it, you know, might've happened, probably happened. So it's, we'll see how it goes uh, forward. But even in his speech, when he was talking to Iowans, he lied several times, like he was saying the Me that Mexico paid is paying for the border wall. Like that's not true. Mm -hmm. He just kept uh, feeding lies to Iowans, and it's just disappointing. So we'll, I mean, we'll see in the next few weeks. Yeah, I I hope that sanity comes back into some of this at some point because we have to listen to doctors. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, but we need that leadership coming from the president and our governor, um, which I know we're going to talk about um, too. But I mean, Governor Reynolds just like full on embracing the spread of COVID, you know, mm -hmm. she's, she's um, and, and saying that Iowans should just do the right thing, but then giving us no guidance, no help in, in doing that and no personal example either. So um, yeah, just really, really unfortunate. Um, um, to 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 see her continue to to push, uh, uh, to to or to ignore uh, those best practices. Exactly, and I mean, if you just look at our positivity rates, we just keep going up. I think it got to like nineteen percent yesterday for the seven mm -hmm. seven week average in Iowa. When the na nationwide positivity rates like five, it's just I was clearly doing something wrong. So, yeah, mm -hmm. hopefully we get more guidance. I'm sure. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I always want to be hopeful, but yeah. Um, our next headline has to do with the Supreme Court hearings. They began on Monday for the confirmation of uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, it seems like Democrats were mostly focused on health care, which I think is really important. 
um, Republicans focused a lot on faith. Um, I'd say it was just watching it overall was frustrating because we didn't get to hear her opinions on a lot of issues because she said it would violate certain procedures. But then it's like, what's the point of the hearings? Like, it just seemed like a big ceremony because no matter what she said, it just felt like the Republicans were going to confirm her anyway. So that was just disappointing. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think that, that both sides went into this fairly confident of what the outcome was going to be. And so Republicans tried to make some bizarre claim that Democrats were attacking her based on faith or whatever, like, which was certainly not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I mean, I'm sure that there are some like random troll, you know, like tweets, comments, et cetera, but like no Democratic senator, no credible, you know, like Democratic candidate is like legitimately saying anything like that. And so they just invented this bizarre argument. Um, and then Democrats, to their credit, were like very focused on the impact that her um, uh, uh, being on the court would have because there's a lawsuit, as we've talked about many times, mm-hmm. um, that the president and Republican attorneys general are pushing that would repeal the ACA. And the Supreme Court's going to hear that on November 10th. And so getting her on the court as quickly as possible means another vote to repeal the ACA, which has been their goal for a decade. Um, And of course, would mean millions of people losing health care, hundreds of thousands in Iowa, and millions and millions more with pre-existing conditions being discriminated against by insurance companies. So um, Democrats did a good job of making that case because if they, I think if they felt like they knew the outcome was going to be they're going to try and exact a political cost for this. And so now people hopefully have a better idea that if Joni Ernst, who, who's up for election, if she votes for Amy Coney Barrett, which it looks like she will, that's another vote to take away our health care. So trying to make that point as clear as possible is really important. And maybe that will change your mind. You know, There's still a week left for the committee votes, probably a couple weeks before they vote on the floor um, on this nomination. So there's still time and people can still call Senator Ernst and try and convince her to protect their health care. Um, so I thought that it was, I agree, it was frustrating, but I think that both sides did what they wanted to do. Um, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a bizarre time to see a few weeks before an election when people have already voted mm-hmm. that this could even be happening. Um, so I think Republicans have just broken the, this entire court's process over the last several years, and I don't know where it ends at this point. Yeah, well said. I think just <laughs> the continued argument about like this, the confirmation not being about the ACA, I think that's, I mean, you can't, um, you can't separate them because literally Trump's lawsuit is on, what, November 10th? It's so mm-hmm. soon. Like, you can't separate these things. And even though they're saying, like, the Supreme Court's just about the law, not about policy, it really, like, not about, like, politics and stuff, it really is. And, like, there's no way really to separate it. I think it's, like, naive to say that. So yeah, we'll see how things go. So true. Um, The first debate we want to talk about um, was way back decades ago on Monday night. Um, Every day feels like a decade, I think, Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, But uh, Congresswoman Cindy Axney and former Congressman David Young debated, I think that was the last debate that they're going to have um, in this race. And 
it was much of the same, but um, but it was it's just striking to me that David Young has gone from a candidate, and all these candidates have, uh, Republicans have, going from repeal and replace Obamacare to now lying about wanting to protect people with pre-existing conditions, and I think they're debating. I just it just I kind of saw that mo- these moments in the debates this week between those two and and Joni Ernst, but like. I can't remember the last time I heard a Republican say repeal and replace Obamacare. Like mm. they just don't admit to it anymore, um, even though that's still what they want to do. But that was probably my biggest takeaway from the Young and Axney debate. I mean, he's just tripping over himself to say how much he loves putting, you know, giving people health care, which of course is not true. Um, but I don't know. What did you what, what did you think of the debate? Um, I I, um, I I wonder what like, um, and what do you think people will take away from? from it i mean i think people will just again take away this healthcare thing it does like almost at a point get confusing when you have david young claiming that he's some hero for um what's it called pre-existing conditions when obviously he's not voting against the aca i think that's just the big takeaway i think another thing even though the trump rallies already passed david young saying oh it's everyone's personal choice to go if they want to it's clear from that that he doesn't care about you know people's health, lives, and stuff because it's not just a personal choice. It affects everyone else in the community. I think that was just the most disappointing part, but yeah, that's what yeah. I took. Yeah, I and I just I don't know why anyone would trust him. You know, like he vote he's voted to take away the ACA. Mm-hmm. That's his record. Um, I yeah, I I don't know why anyone would believe him and. And why they wouldn't just stick with their guns and say and, and make the case that they've always made because it just looks kind of ridiculous to um, to to do the other or to you know to to, to claim to, to try and argue against yourself. But um, it's not for me to decide what David Young does or doesn't do. So um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, next up, we have uh, the final Senate debate that was Thursday. Uh, between Senator Joni Ernst and her Democratic challenger, Teresa Greenfield. Um, While the first part was a little difficult because of the technical difficulties, uh, things kind of got together and then we got to get to the meat of the debate. I think just the biggest takeaway for me was their debate on systematic racism. Joni just saying that it's not really a thing in Iowa. I mean, that's clearly ignorant on social justice issues. I mean, Because while I understand that she's saying that, like, she doesn't want to say that cops are racist or whatever, it's kind of difficult because the system, obviously, is racist and all of that. It might be good people, but, like, it's difficult to say, like, good cops just because, like, the system of cops is difficult to judge. So, I don't know. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, that... That was such a great, to me, a great moment for Teresa Greenfield Mm -hmm. um, when she talked to us specifically about the benefit that she's had from uh, being white. And I thought that the question, I think Brianne Fonnensteel asked this from the register, but whoever asked it was a good question. Like, have you ever benefited from white privilege? You know, and just like making that, putting, making, putting a a point on it and like, have you ever benefited from this? You know, Mm -hmm. I, um, and I think that was a good way to ask it to about a a broader issue. And I mean, Joni more or less said no, or she doesn't think so, or it's hard to say or whatever. And 
I think it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of like where we are. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that like, I mean, I certainly have, I assume that you would say you have Ivy. I don't know. I want to put words in your mouth, but, um, but like that, and it doesn't, but that doesn't mean that we've done something wrong or like cheated in some way, but it does mean that like the system exists that benefits people who look like us and benefits Mm -hmm. me more because I'm a, I'm a man. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a fact of life. And, um, and it's, so to hear Teresa Greenfield say it so well, um, it gives me, it gives me just a lot of hope if she's our Senator, because like, that's someone I want. That's a, that's a mindset that I'd like to have, um, in someone who's going to be deciding policy for our country, you know, like just keeping that in, just taking that into consideration when you're voting on housing issues or criminal justice issues or whatever it might be. So anyway, I thought that was really powerful. I, I agree. I think we'll, we're going to talk about this in a second, but the big moment was uh, just Joni Ernst falling flat on her face um, uh, on the price of corn and soybeans and um, snarkily coming back at the moderator and at Greenfield when she didn't know the correct answer to something. So that was probably the biggest moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um because that was just it just cringeworthy to yes. watch on her behalf. Uh, next, we'll go into our hot takes where we give a quick opinion on the hot topics of the week. Uh, first off is this ranch thing with David Young. I mean, you were pretty passionate about this. Do you want to give it I a don't go? get it. Uh, I don't get it. They asked They asked at the end of the debate between Axney and Young a lot of, like, personal questions. What's on their playlist, da-da-da. And then they said, like, do you like ranch? It was something like that. And Axney, like, of course, I say of course, like any normal human, a normal Iowan Midwesterner, likes ranch dressing. Mm. And, and she gave it a thumbs up, and David Young gave it a, like, sideways handshake. Like, uh, I don't know. Are you kidding me? Like... First of all, ranch is like an icon to the Midwest. And I, you're, I think we're going to be on opposite sides of this, Ivy, mm-hmm. but like from your expression on your face. But, I mean, you can just inject ranch into my veins, you know? Like, so it's delicious on everything, almost everything, I'll say. Um, pizza, vegetables, um, salad, of course, um, wings. It doesn't matter. Ranch, put it on everything. French fries, dip French fries in it. Dip uh, uh, chips in it. Maybe I already said that. I don't know. Chips? Burgers, chips. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, it's just good, okay? Like, it's just a good thing to include. You could put, like, if you're baking something and you sprinkle a ranch packet in there, like, you're going to, you're going to, it's it's just going to explode with, just it's just going to be awesome. Um, so... Um, I don't get it. I, I think he lost. I think he lost votes. Probably, maybe. I'm kind of joking, but yeah. he could have. Um, so I've gone way too long about ranch. So I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I didn't realize you're so passionate about ranch. Wow. Uh, you're probably gonna hate <laughs> me now, but I personally don't really like flavor, so I do not <laughs> like ranch. Uh, oh my gosh. No, I don't. Well, the thing is, I've never tried ranch. But I don't, sauces creep me out, like ketchup, mustard, mayo, ranch. I've never tried them because they, they creep me out. So, yeah. You've never, you've never even tried it? No, it's always just been okay. creepy. All right. 
you this is like next week's episode we're gonna live air the first your first attempt at just like oh, pick something that you like to eat and you'll dip it in ranch if you're up for it yeah um, i'll have to think about it because you know that'd probably be the most you know craziest thing i've done so we'll wow see. that's okay <laughs> But yeah, um, I so, mean, so David Young did not lose your support by saying, Oh that. my gosh, yeah. that was, well, if I were him, that would be like the only thing, like, because he lies to Iowans a lot. Why don't you just like include the ranch <laughs> thing in there, you know, but yeah. Right. So okay. That, okay. But yeah, next up we have the soybeans, corn thing. I mean, it was just so interesting to me how, I mean, it was amazing that Teresa Greenfield knew the price of a bushel was it of corn. And then, like, she just knew it right away. It was, like, three-something. And then whenever the moderator asked Joni uh, for the price of soybeans, she, like, gave some long answer that didn't include a price at all. And then he was like, you didn't answer my question. Then she said, oh, the price is, what'd she say, like, ten-something? She said it was, like, five fifty. Five fifty. Oh, okay. She said it was five fifty, and the real price was ten. Because the price of, yeah, the price of soybeans was like 1056 or something yeah. like that and the price of corn that greenfield answered was like three what was it 368 something yeah. like that. Is that right yeah so <sighs> she just didn't get it at all yeah and then afterwards she was trying to say that she didn't hear right that it was corn even if that she thought it was corn even if it was corn she was two dollars off why didn't yep. you, you should have just said i don't know because <laughs> right. it, like, it was just so crazy. admit to it mm-hmm. yeah um and like it's the kind of thing that in in itself probably isn't like the end of the world. Right. That our sitting U.S. senator doesn't know this off the top of her head because if she needs it for a policy decision or whatever, like she obviously can get that information. It takes two seconds to Google it. She has an entire staff, whatever. Yeah. But like this close to an election, it just becomes emblematic of like her being seen as out of touch, you know? And so like, and people already feel that way because she said she'd go to Washington and make them squeal, but she became like the biggest party loyalist and she hasn't really done a lot to stand up for Iowans and stand up to the president, stand up to her party leadership. So like it's, it just becomes this moment that is like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. She wouldn't even know this, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think it will become more powerful even than it otherwise could have because it shows it's, it's just an example of who she has become as a senator, which is really unfortunate because um, Iowans need need a senator that's going to stand up for them. Exactly. And I mean, if it was someone like Cindy Axney who had answered that way, it I don't think it would be as big of a deal because she doesn't like pride herself as being like from a farm and a farm kid. But like you always hear that from Joni Ernst. And so I just think that it kind of like resonates with people that well she might have been but she's not really anymore so right that yeah. she's like lost completely lost touch mm-hmm. yeah so uh obviously kim reynolds was promoting the trump rally and she was there and you could, there's a picture of her throwing a uh, make america great hat and so it's kind of like you get covid you get covid you get covid shout out oprah yeah mm-hmm. and i even even i got that reference mm-hmm. ivy so uh, that was well done a good take on that because like She's just throwing these COVID hats out into the crowd and mm-hmm. spreading, you know, spreading, uh, um, uh, spreading the disease literally and by supporting the event. I mean, 
just really frustrating, but but a good a good take on mm-hmm. or a fun funny take on a bad situation. So yeah. well done, well done. Thanks. No, but I mean, it was just so horrible to see. Like, I mean, obviously we knew it was going to be bad, but for her to just literally have her hands on things without a mask, throw it out to the crowd. I mean, she really does not care like the public perception on this either. So yeah, we'll see how that turns out in a few weeks, I guess. Next up, we have our interview with Murphy Burke, the Iowa Press Secretary for Next Gen. Uh, she gives a lot of good um, perspectives for voting. We only have about, I think, 18 days left of the election, so this is really important. So let's head over to interviewing Murphy. It's so good to have you here, especially because we're so close to voting right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about your work at NextGen and what you guys do in Iowa? Yeah, so NextGen is focused on turning out voters, um, young voters, 18 to 35. And that means that we historically have been focused on youth-dense areas like college campuses and reaching young people where they are. Uh, When COVID hit in March, that meant we had to change our operations a little bit. And we are now a digital-focused organization as well as doing a lot of phone call canvassing. And we've been reaching lots of young voters across the state that way, making sure they have the information they need to vote and uh, helping them make a plan to vote so that they'll show up and cast a ballot. Sounds great. So like you mentioned, now that we're in a pandemic, things are a little bit different this year. There's a lot more people uh, doing absentee voting. Do you have any advice, reminders, or just important things to take into consideration for those who are doing absentee voting? Yeah. So the first thing is that if you can vote by mail, uh, if you are able to get that application printed, filled out uh, and sent in or to fill out the one that was sent to you, you should. Uh, we want as many people to vote by mail as possible so that then um, the polling day places can run smoothly on November 3rd. Uh, so my first piece of advice is just that everyone who is ready to vote now should make a plan and cast a ballot now, whether that's absentee in person at their auditor's office or through that mail-in ballot. Um, the second biggest thing we like to remind people of is to sign the outside of their envelope. That's one of the easiest to forget steps after filling out a ballot to then you need to sign on the outside of that envelope that then for sure your vote will be counted. Um, And then the final thing is that if you're passionate about this election, anybody and everybody should get involved in calling, texting voters uh, with an organization like ours or someone else to make sure that other young people, other voters have the information they need to show up. Sounds great. Um, Another thing, uh, talking about like young voters showing up, I think a lot of confusion surrounds um, the ID requirements in Iowa, especially with students who might be originally out of state. What do you what should someone have with them if they're registering the day of or can someone register without an ID? Yeah, so you can register without an ID. You just need to do it now. So you have until October 24th. And then the um, state election official will send you a voter ID that you can use to vote. So if you don't have an ID, don't say, oh, well, then I guess I won't be casting a ballot. If you're planning on voting on election day, a lot of people assume, oh, I need an ID. That means I need a driver's license. There's lots of other options. So um, a state-issued form of identification that is valid, that the expiration date hasn't passed, it has 
your photo on it. Um, that is what like the first option is. If you don't have one of those, then you just need a form of ID that's valid and has an expiration date in combination with something that has your address listed on it. So if your student ID has an expiration date, you can use that in combination with a pay stub um, or a lease, something else that has your name and address on it. And that is the easiest way to make sure that, you know, everyone possible can vote. We shouldn't have a voter ID law. That is a form of voter suppression. But because that's in place, we do try to communicate that like students, people who have recently moved to Iowa and have an out-of-state ID, there's still lots of options available to them. Great, thanks. I think that does help clarify because I know whenever I uh, came to Iowa and I was a student, I was even a bit confused with the all the different requirements. If I had to have like a piece of paper uh, that got in the mail and everything like that. So that's definitely helpful. Um, moving a little bit towards like what um, absentee ballots a little bit more, because today while we're recording the 15th is return your ballot day in Iowa. Why do you think it's so important for people to turn in their absentee ballots now? So the first reason why is that then it will for sure be in the county auditor's office on election day. The last possible day you can mail it in is the Monday before Election Day, November 2nd. But by turning it in now, there's plenty of time so that it shows up there as soon as they can start counting them, um, which helps speed up the process. Uh, so that's one of the best reasons is to make sure that it gets there by Election Day so that it isn't something that is being counted near the end of the count. Um, and the other thing is just so that you don't forget, I will be honest, I am participating in Return Your Ballot Day today. Uh, my ballot arrived a couple days ago, but I will be filling it out and turning it in today because I set it aside and it kind of slipped my mind for a couple of days, even though I'm talking to other people about voting. So as soon as that ballot arrives for you, filling it out and either dropping it off at your county auditor's office, which it looks like some of them do have stickers, so that's a benefit, or sticking it in the mail is one of the best things you can do. Definitely. And I really, I am trying to get out the vote, but I'm still waiting for my uh, ballot to come in the mail. So uh, hopefully that'll come soon. But I know Iowa now has that track your ballot website. So that can be helpful too. Yes, for, for sure. So that you can see if it gets there and when it gets there. Mm. Um, a little bit more on young voters as well, because I know that um, in recent times, we're all talking about how young people don't necessarily turn out to vote as much. Do you think that's going to change this election? What do you think that we can do to get younger people out to vote? Yeah. So first of all, the narrative around young people not showing up is oftentimes rooted in a false belief that it's because young people don't care or they, they're apolitical. And a lot of what we found is that it's actually because young people are easily a group affected by voter suppression, things like voter ID laws. You mentioned how when you were a student, you probably didn't have a um, Iowa driver's license, which is the easiest way, but there still are other options. So we've found that young people are passionate and that they want to participate in the system and that sometimes complicated rules, um, limited hours for polling locations is what holds them back. 
However, those trends are changing. Um, in 2018, we saw improved turnout around young people that helped bring some of those progressive victories across Iowa. And then we're seeing even more success now. Um, 9,000 more 18 to 29-year-olds have cast their ballots at this point than they had at this date in 2016. So we are seeing young people fired up because they're looking at an administration um, the Trump administration that has hurt young people before and after COVID hit, um, as well as Joni Ernst, a senator that refuses to listen to the needs of young Iowans, refuses to listen to um, the reason of what this country needs, but instead serves her wealthy donors. And young people are fed up with that. Yeah, I think that was put perfectly. Um, I remember, like, I mean, I'm still kind of young, but like, just hearing the narrative that like, young people don't turn out the vote, and they don't care, it does get a bit annoying. So yeah, I really like organizations like NextGen who are really trying to fight against that. So I know you guys do shout outs. So I (laughs) would love to give a shout out to Megan Srinivas, Dr. Megan Srinivas, who's been doing great work talking about uh, the impact of COVID-19 on Iowans, the advice from public health experts. um, That is definitely a voice to uplift always. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll definitely put that on social media. I love the shout out. That's perfect. Thank you. (laughs) And we end uh, every week with shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. Please send your recommendations to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM. This week, we just want to give a big shout out to everyone who has already voted um, and voted by mail or voted in person safely um, and anyone who already has a plan to vote. Um, It's so important uh, to do that. Um, You have um, just a little over two weeks left to to cast your ballot, either in person um, before Election Day or on Election Day or by sending in your your absentee ballot. So please do that. Um, You can visit the Iowa Secretary of State's website. You can visit vote.org for if you're in another state uh, to get whatever information you need. Um, And... Uh, in Iowa, you have until October 24th to request an absentee ballot, but please get those in as soon as possible. There is, There are still a little bit of delays, appears to be um, in the Postal Service, so get your ballots. When you get them in, don't wait. Turn them back in right away. Um, if, you, if you're worried about it getting delayed to get to your auditor's office, go and drop it off in person. A lot of places are, um, you know, you can do that in and out and, and just drop it off. Um, do it safely, wear a mask, remain socially distant, please. But but thank you to everyone who's already voting um, and who already has voted. Um, we, we need everyone to get out to the polls this year. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Pollock Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What A Week.